Welcome to Daily Dose, Danny. This is episode 18. Let's talk about the problem with PMS. Do you know what period care is made of? I have no idea that the ingredients found in traditional pads and tampons are linked to chronic health issues and that they contain materials which take up to 500 years to degrade. These are some of the questions Olivia asked and knew that she had to do better for herself, friends, and future generations of menstruators. Let's delve into her story, a startup story for Luna. So, um, Olivia, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining. Tell us more about yourself and your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight to be on this podcast. And, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll start by just explaining a little bit more about what Luna is. We are a purpose-driven period care company based between Hong Kong and Shanghai. And our mission is to change the experience of menstruation for people across the region. And and we do that through trying to disrupt the traditional period care industry, which a lot of people don't know has a, a myriad of social and environmental consequences that are very negative. And this is something that I've kind of unearthed over the last few years of my own research into menstrual health. Um, And it was through that research that I first of all realized that more education and conversation was needed around this topic. And then slowly and surely started to learn more about the impact of traditional products and then started to develop our own line of products, which we now sell today. So exciting. So you just mentioned a little bit as to why you started it um, and the problem you're trying to solve. But can you delve a bit more into how are the ways that through using Luna, you are solving the problem of sustainability and women's education on on period products and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. So I I feel like we always talk about um, the main key issues with menstrual stigma and, and those really center around gender inequality Um, the plastic waste crisis, um, and an impact on good health and well-being. And those are really the three main issues that our work seeks to to change. Now, from an equality perspective, we always say at Luna that menstrual stigma is one of the biggest barriers to the advancement of women and girls and people with periods across the planet. And we believe that until we work to overcome the shame and fear and confusion around periods, we will never be able to reach true gender equality. And, you know, I think very early on in my research, this became apparent to me. I basically, so I, I, to take you back, the, the initial idea for Luna actually was, uh, came to me at the check-in desk of Heathrow Airport, where I was flying back to Hong Kong from the UK. And I, like many women at that time, and still today, had a suitcase full of tampons with me because they were very difficult to come by in Hong Kong at that time. And I was over the weight limit for my luggage. And this caused me to have to unpack my suitcase in front of a very long queue of people. And it was through that that I first became faced with my own menstrual shame. I was so embarrassed that this long queue of people could see that I used tampons and I really couldn't get that out of my head for the whole flight back to Hong Kong. And 
and I really started to dig into that um, when I landed through having conversations with women. And really what I started to see was that from schoolgirls starting their first periods through to women like my mum, who at the time was navigating menopause, we never graduate from the same kind of fear and shame and confusion that exists around our bodies. And I truly believe that we will be unable to reach our potential women until we are equipped with more information um, and more confidence and um, the ability to manage our periods with dignity and pride. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I think that... um... You know, these are great topics, especially I remember as a young girl when when I first started. um, My mom never prepared me for it. I thought I was dying at the time. Um, It was a very confusing moment for me. (laughs) Um, So it is very funny how how we sort of seem to still, as women, sometimes lack to to educate. And and it's great that I I see all these products now on the market that are, are coming up with better solutions for us. But I think what you mentioned which I think maybe a lot of people that aren't expats um, would struggle to understand is the fact that having lived in Asia so long as well, that the products that sometimes were available in the West really wasn't available in the East. Um, and and as you say, we often would just go back home and, and pack suitcases full of products because we are pretty sure we won't be able to buy it when we're back in Asia. Why do you think Asia has taken so long to... Um, adapt and and be able to have all the products that we are used to in the West? Well, you know, I think it's, um, I think there's generally a consensus that, um, that I think the West is more, uh, I would say a misguided consensus that the West has a more developed attitude towards this this subject I think the stigma around periods is a global issue that is nuanced between cultures but I often say when people ask about why there is limited access to tampons in Asia um, and and you know associate that I think with a stronger taboo around menstruation in this part of the world I always say that that's that kind of feels wrong to me I think as somebody that for over you know almost 10 years, uh, was buying and using tampons without knowing what they were made of and without knowing that those ingredients were having a negative, a tangible negative impact on my body. I talk about this a lot, but I, I oftentimes got yeast infections, um, like many women do, um, discomfort and irritations at the hands of those poor quality synthetic tampons. Um, and I dismissed that as a negative symptom of just menstruation rather than blaming it on my body and so I think actually there are equally if not more in in this case toxic attitudes that exist towards menstruation in places like the UK where I'm from for example I think it's I think it's right that there is um that I think it's more typical um, in in Asia to question what you put inside your body in that perspective. And I think that's really the baseline of how we should all be approaching this topic. So whilst perhaps in um, in Asia, adoption of, of tampons is, is lower than in Western countries like the UK, um, I think it's, it's important that places like the UK 
um, impress upon people the importance of knowing what tampons um, and commonly used period products are made of. Yeah, definitely. I think because, as you say, we, we're touching so much on the topic of sustainability these days that um, I think coming up with tangible products to solve that issue is very important. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's just a general, I think the one thing that unites, um, you know, cultures globally when it comes to period care as an industry is that is changing in some parts of the world after you know an immense pressure by consumers it, it really shouldn't have to be that way i think companies that create these products and retail these products should just um as you know just an ethical backbone be wanting to promote the ingredients um transparently both from a health perspective and an environmental perspective but really the status quo has always been um, we don't need to disclose these ingredients to you. And really, a uh, you know, regulations value the right of big corporations to protect their industry secrets more than they protect the right of consumers to know what we are exposing our bodies to. And that, I think we can all agree, is really, really problematic. So, you know, my teams are are really focused on, I think, educating our direct community to make better more conscious choices about their period care but also in the future you know really shifting regulations and policies that empower us to also have um, transparency um, around what we put inside our bodies totally agree so more on the business side um, tell us when you started how big your team is now some of your highs and lows of starting Luna, um, the brand, and, and what did you learn? What was your process? So it's funny that you asked that. I, I've just come from, from a team workshop that we were running. It was kind of a pre-Chinese New Year celebration, but also um, a, a branding workshop. And it just, it's funny because as we approach Chinese New Year, and actually um, it's, my, it's my 30th birthday on Saturday, and um, I think that gives me a really uh, very clear milestone of, of, of to compare to last year. Um, and last year, I remember my birthday distinctly. And I've actually never been really into my birthday. But last year, um, I think I was really, really exhausted. I was really, really burnt out. Obviously, we had just started to see the effects of COVID taking hold. Um, I think work was at a place where um, I think we had opportunities ahead of us that were really, really exciting. Um, but I distinctly remember feeling exhausted and burnt out um, and I think quite lost last year. I guess we were approaching our one year birthday since launch um, and I did not feel like celebrating at all versus this year. I am approaching my birthday and the Chinese New Year break uh, with so much, um, with an amazing team around us, a team that can say that through the most difficult time so far, you know, COVID, through COVID, we pulled together and were able to survive. And I, I think if the last few months have been anything to go by, really end up thriving 
as a team and as a brand um i think it's there were definitely many many difficult moments last year that we had to navigate um a lot of our big opportunities and a you know a really important project that we were working on was working with corporates and schools to provide period care for free which is obviously a really important part of um for our business but it's also a really um important part of our mission as well and because of covid a lot of these initiatives were actually completely frozen which meant that we were suddenly our most of our plan so overnight pretty much um and i think that posed a real challenge for our team last year but nonetheless we really rallied together to look at you know pushing sales through e-commerce taking all the education that we were doing offline and digitalizing that um and i think you know there's there's a general that of course we acknowledge that e-commerce and and the digital sphere is the way that we always wanted to go in order to reach more people with our education but certainly we felt um at this early stage in our brand that the offline connections we were making the workshops we were doing physically and in schools and in corporates they were a really important part of that early brand building journey and to have that all kind of swept away from us definitely um definitely made us definitely pose some problems um so i think obviously we're not the only company that suffered from from covid-19 but i think in the same way that it created a lot a lot of challenges it also posed a lot of opportunities for us to think about the real scalable elements of our business So yeah, so that's a very good point. What can you say were some of the key initiatives digitally that you guys did that really helped get the brand back on track during COVID? I think we're still kind of working on on one of the ideas that is going to be really exciting for us uh post COVID. I I I just mentioned there that we were doing a lot of offline workshops in corporates and schools and I think we initially decided to take some of these take all of these workshops online and that's fine i think everyone is having to get used to webinars but actually with a sensitive topic like ours it was really difficult i think to generate the same level of enthusiasm and engagement when we're not there in the room for example pre covid we even we were delivering workshops to what could be very um conservative rooms full of of corporates both male and female and we found that a really good way to engage everybody was to gamify those workshops so we developed like an offline game to bring people together and break the ice which is so important when you're tackling a taboo topic um and so we found from a when we were delivering digital webinars that that same level of engagement was just really difficult to replicate so currently what we're working on is actually taking that same level of education the same quality but creating digital chapters that people can access within their own home again applicable to people of all genders with the view to tackling menstrual stigma within places like the workplace um and within the classroom um and making sure that people can really have like a seamless digital journey to learn more about this topic 
That's so exciting. And when are you guys planning on having that available to people to go check out? We are going to be, we're piloting it actually in March with some of our existing corporate partners. So we'll see how it goes because obviously there's, I mean, you know how difficult it is to create content, good content that's engaging, but also really, I think, valuable and educational. And I think this is a topic that has to be approached very carefully in order to connect with people and we have such a range of different people within our audiences like I said it's people with periods people without periods people who might be more engaged with the environmental impact of um, you know the work that we do or people that might be coming at it from more of a health perspective lots of that we have to do in order to cater to everybody Awesome. Well, they'll definitely stay tuned and very much looking forward to seeing how you adapt your, your programs more online. Um, so more questions for the business when you first started. How did you go about um, the production and the financing for Luna? Tell us more about your process of how you went about kickstarting. Yeah, I, I get asked this question a lot. I think it's something people are always really interested in. And I kind of laugh when people say to me, did you accept investment external investment and I laughed because I was sort of 26 27 when I started this journey and I had been working in an agency and I certainly didn't have um, uh, any any kind of hefty savings and the cost of producing physical products was more money than I could have ever dreamed of having saved myself so I always um, yeah of course I I accepted and was looking for investors um, once I realized that there was definitely a viable business opportunity to the work that I was doing. Um, and that wasn't an easy process. I had no experience fundraising. I didn't have any access to family and friends capital. It just wasn't an option. So I really did have to start from scratch. And I learned a lot of lessons along the way. A lot of things that I would recommend to people, a lot of things that I would just suggest not to do that I did. Um, and I think just to take you back to the beginning of that journey, so it would have been 2018, after kind of doing my own, I guess, searching, putting together a, a pitch deck, which if I think back, must have just been totally shocking, I'm sure. Um, I, I realized um, after a few almost embarrassing pitches with potential investors who I'd convinced to meet me, um, probably off LinkedIn, uh, that I needed some help. And I think the best thing I ever did was go on the search not for investors at that point, but for somebody who had experience in fundraising who could support me. And actually what I did is <laughs> you'll you'll see I consistently mention that I that I use LinkedIn a lot and I really do, but I I look, started looking for somebody um with a financial background who had raised funds before and I came across a woman who sits on my board of directors today, in fact. And she liked the idea and thought it was valuable enough that she was willing to support me uh, on the basis that if we did manage to raise funds then and only then she would get paid her fee. And obviously, as I just mentioned, that was pretty much the only basis that I could move forward, given that I, I couldn't afford to pay her myself. So I think I was I was lucky to have found somebody like her 
Um, but I think also you can definitely learn a, a lesson from this and that's figure out what you need to be able to put the, to do the work that will eventually attract the right kind of investors. That's such a good tip. I feel like a lot of people are often, you know, scared. I'm not sure how to approach um, getting investors involved. I think um, what you did is a much more organic way and working, especially with someone that, you know, has your best interests at heart as well. And that she's still with you is, yeah, is such a great she's, story. She's a fantastic support. And it's really, I mean, I've got, I've got investors who I've known for a few years now because they invested in the first round, but it's really quite special to have her on board somebody who's been been with the business before it was even a business so how many years have you actually had Luna for when was the the first sort of mention the brand development how long so has it been? we launched I, I'd say we officially went to market in April 2019 uh in hong kong at least um and i think prior to that i was doing the research on the brand since pretty much since 2016 initially whilst i had a full-time job and then once i think the the uh, once i basically couldn't keep my mind on my job anymore and i just all i thought about was luna and what this could be um i i guess that was around 2017 that I quit full-time work and was just focused on obviously freelancing to pay the bills, but, but building the brand first and foremost. That's awesome. So you've been, this has been a project in the works for yeah, a while for I mean, you. I've, I have not thought of anything but Luna, even if it was Luna without the name Luna, even if it was just, you know, talking to people about menstrual stigma and becoming really 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 obsessed with solving this problem uh that's been a number of years now so it really has been uh yeah it's been my all for for quite a while yeah because I, I think a lot of people that do talk about their startups are always saying how they needed patience and if they could go back now they'd tell other people as well to have patience with yourself and and focus on your dream like it takes time to grow what what are some of your advice you'd give to people that are thinking of starting their own business or brand two two things I would say the first is I think the word obsessed has loads of negative connotations but frankly my only experience of launching a business is an idea that you're really totally obsessed with and I think there are so many low moments along this journey that if you're anything in my mind less than totally obsessed with your idea totally obsessed with the problem totally obsessed with finding a solution then I just I don't think you necessarily will have the drive to 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 endure those really really tough moments I have to say I couldn't agree more I think a lot of people are always stuck with well what should I do how do I know if it's something for me and you're totally right if you're not obsessed about what it is you're starting you won't yeah, push it through and, to and the I end obviously the second part is have a really really good product so be obsessed with the problem and solving it but also in that develop a product be it a physical product or a service that you can back wholeheartedly and again Luna's my only experience of having a business 
And I can honestly attest to the fact that our products have totally changed my life. And I think, again, anything less than that. And it's really hard to back it every single day and live and breathe it every single day. Totally. I think you need to be proud of what you're putting out there. Otherwise, that also becomes, um, you know, a, a killer for, for what you're trying to push. Like if you honestly believe and love it so much, then the sale, selling it to other people is just so much more organic yeah, and real absolutely. and authentic. So you're building such a positive awareness with Luna. Tell us more about your initiatives and partnerships to help grow the awareness and tackle the issues such as combating period poverty. Well, I think with Luna, you know, the three pillars of our brand are better products to education and impact business models. So you can see through that that although our products are totally amazing in my view, they are just one element of a wider picture and the education and the donation program that we have are really really part of the foundation of our overall company so one thing that we're really proud of is our initiative called a better period so a better period is was designed to foster exactly that a better period for people our planet and our local communities in need it is a program that uh, corporates and schools and basically any kind of company or organization can sign up to to provide access to healthy period products access to education that tackles menstrual stigma within their organizations and through this we use a portion of this partnership to help provide more period care to vulnerable communities across the region. And this is so exciting because I think, like I mentioned earlier, we, we really do believe that menstrual stigma is to gender equality. And for me, any organization that claims to be tackling gender inequality should be providing period products. And period these period products should be good quality healthy period products not your cheap cheap 100% plastic pads that you find if you find period products available in many organizations which is rare in itself I can almost guarantee you they're going to be these cheap synthetic pads and so we are really working to support our partners in in offering period care through our dispenser system so in their bathrooms um, and in their offices alongside our educational workshops to really get to the root of what in many cases is very problematic menstrual stigma that exists even in you know forward-thinking global corporates Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's so great that that's part of your incentive and, and sort of promotion for every product that you sell, that you're offering sort of solutions for poverty areas and, and how you can better assist um, people yeah. in need I as think well. It, it um, really, I think, when we look at businesses today, and, and actually this is perhaps the third thing that I would say to anybody that's thinking about starting a business is, what is the true social impact of your company? Like what is, what, how is your business or your idea positively contributing to the world today? Because I really don't think there is space 
any longer for businesses that don't have a true value proposition when it comes to impacting wider society. Um, And for us, beyond the health and environmental impacts of our products, that really is ensuring that as we grow as a business, we are able to tackle period poverty that affects our communities, our local communities in Hong Kong and across the region. I think many people don't believe that period poverty exists in Hong Kong. And yet it is rife across the city um, with many women and girls unable to attend school um, or having their work hindered simply because they menstruate. And this is something we should all be working to tackle. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think a lot of people would be interested in getting in touch and, and knowing how to get involved with you as partners or to better support or collaborate. Um, do you have specific people or companies you're looking to collaborate with or connect with who would be um, best to sort of reach out to you? And what are you looking for for future partnerships? I, I know it sounds vague, but I truly believe it. If you have people that menstruate working for you or um, existing within your organization, then you are a relevant partner for us. And I think that approach is reflected in some of the diverse clients that we already have today. So we do have schools across Asia who've already signed up. Our dispensers are going into bathrooms across their campuses. We have corporates, one huge global financial institution has already installed our dispensers in all of their bathrooms in Hong Kong, which is a huge move. And we've got other, other financial institutions that we're speaking to as well. But beyond that, it's also malls and gyms and spas whoever you are again if you have somebody if you have people that menstruate using your space you are applicable to this program fantastic i've actually personally seen your branding on bathroom doors around hong kong yeah it's it's happening (laughs) and i thought of you every time it's happening and um yeah i just think the reaction that we've had to the installation of these dispensers has just been phenomenal. Um, you know, people that I know, some of them I didn't even know worked in these institutions, messaging me, say, like photos of our dispensers, people messaging our, our brand Instagram, saying that they, you know, went to wash their hands on Monday morning and saw that there were now tampons and pads being provided for free within their office. It's just the coolest feeling in the world for me and the team to see the impact that we're making and, and directly hear how this is really brightening our the days of our community. Yeah, I can see why I think the the way you are building the community and interacting and, and making sort of providing solutions across board for B2B and B2C is, is so great. Um, and I think another part that we love about your brand or that I know has been feedback from from my side at least is your branding the look and feel the packaging um so tell us more about your advice for startups to get going with this cohesive branding and developing this to the best um to maximize their idea and building it into a reality because you've done it so well yourself obviously i'm never gonna claim to to have done that alone i've had the support of amazing women by my side who have dived deep into the vision of our brands, what our values are um, to create to create the aesthetic and, and the identity that you see today. One thing that was always really important to us 
which perhaps wasn't you wouldn't see in our initial branding right when we started it is actually bringing fun to this topic i think there are some beautiful beautiful um brands out there who focus on the education around organic be it like food or or period care um and i think for us looking at those brands we may wanted to make sure that we really focused on a strong sense of fun and energy and also kind of really how we celebrate the collective spirit of our work you'll see in most of our branding that we never feature someone on their own it's always people in twos or threes and that's really representative of our the the, the feeling of of well what we used to call sisterhood before we moved into more gender inclusive language to represent the fact that you know not everybody uh, menstruates and then like the development of our brand from since we launched in 2019 but yeah we used to call it sisterhood um but today we call it our community our community spirit is very very important to the work that we do at luna um and indeed i i think being representing the uh, increasing focus of our company to drive awareness around things like gender inclusivity, um, diversity. These are all things that we actually feel that we can do better at and we are striving to do better um, at, the, at that as we grow. Awesome, thanks for sharing. Um, so last question and then let's tap into some of the questions that um, the community had for you is um, let's talk more about the current issue with pads and products out there and why are sustainable products and menstrual cups a healthier, more sustainable alternative? So I think my story is, is really relevant here. As I mentioned earlier, I was using tampons for almost 10 years without knowing that actually the tampons I was using, which I thought were more environmentally friendly because they didn't have an applicator, they are in fact coated in a layer of synthetics and um and this was really causing irritations including yeast infections for me for a number of years irritations that i blamed on my my body rather than my period so i think when it comes to solving your tangible symptoms switching to organic period care or indeed medical grade silicone like the material that our cup is made from is a really important step for, for people that might be suffering these tangible issues. It's, I think a lot of women, when you look at maybe pads as well, a lot of our community, especially in a place like Hong Kong, where it can be very hot and sticky in the summer, attest to feeling um, like they might have odors and they might have feelings of stickiness and discomfort, which we find when you move to a natural material like organic cotton, is alleviated in many cases. We, I think we don't look into our period care products because we actually look at them and we see that they're white. Um, we see the top layer like I did with my tampons and we assume that that's cotton, but actually in a lot of cases it is synthetics and it's not difficult when you realize that to see that bleeding onto a synthetic surface for long periods of time will lead feelings of irritation stickiness and in some cases things like odors and it's really sad because if you look at some traditional period care advertising you can see that these adverts actually emphasize these symptoms as being kind of 
normal symptoms of menstruation that can be solved through their products but you know periods don't smell periods aren't naturally sticky and you know and irritable it's actually again in many cases the products that cause these issues I found that myself I know a number of my team can also attest to that being the case so organic cotton is really I think for many people a more comfortable and obviously toxin-free alternative to the traditional synthetic products on the market. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I think everyone has their own personal journey um, with their periods, and we all have these different struggles. And it's great to hear that with um, more sustainable products, some of those issues can be avoided. So... So, yeah, how has your period care choices evolved over the years? My personal period care journey is, is I think, one that community have gone through um, either before me um, or after me. I think some of my team can attest to having a similar journey as well. I started with pads. I don't think there's anything wrong with using pads if that's what you are most comfortable with. But my issue with pads relates to the fact that when I was younger I actually had such heavy bleeding that I would actually bleed through a pad within an hour now at the time I didn't know that this wasn't um and I'm gonna use inverted commas here it wasn't normal um I think now that I've done my research it feels like when I was younger I may have had a a hormone imbalance uh, because I had at the time heavy bleeding I had cystic acne as well And I really, really struggled with menstruation. It was a a source of trauma and embarrassment and shame. I would leak. I wouldn't do sports. I would feel I would feel sticky and smelly symptoms I mentioned earlier. And I think after after a while, I just thought to myself, there's no way this can be what my life is going to be like for the next 30 odd years. And so I remember sneaking into my mum's bathroom, stealing her tampons. And being really scared and feeling really lonely, but forcing myself to try them. And that's a really poignant experience for me, because whilst those tampons and the discovery of tampons really did change my life, I I don't believe any of us should have to go through uh, exploring the options that are available to us for our periods with the same loneliness and frustration that I did. And that's really an important mantra of what Luna is today. The opportunity for us not to pressure anybody about their period care choices, but to educate, support and and guide each other into making better, choosing better alternatives. So I think switching from pads to tampons happened amidst so much fear and, and confusion. And then I guess, uh, I was happy with tampons for a number of years. They allowed me to do sport. They contributed to less traumatic leaking experiences. But as I mentioned, unwittingly, they were uh, causing negative symptoms at the time. And it was only after I started research into menstrual stigma for Luna that I realized about the ingredients of my tampons and switched to organic alternatives, which totally alleviated my symptoms and I felt at that time I'd found the perfect product for me I thought there's no way I could find anything different and I at that time so this was around 2016 
I had heard about menstrual cups, but I approached menstrual cups with the same kind of apprehension that I think a lot of my friends um, were thinking about tampons. And so we all carried with us shame about alternatives. I honestly was really horrified about the notion of a period cup when I first heard about it. I remember going to a cup workshop, in fact, and the woman who was leading it talking about the fact that a cup is great because you can see for the first time your period blood colour and see that it's fresh and clean. And I remember actually, again, being faced with my own menstrual stigma because that statement made me really uncomfortable. And I remember distinctly thinking, well, do I want to see how fresh and clean my period blood is every month which is so strange to admit because this is something I so deeply and authentically feel now and advocate for so much when I talk about the cup so it's really interesting to revisit that actually in, in fairly recent years I was carrying with me those stigmas the time till today really seeking through my work to tackle I think going to show that it's constant, we constantly have to work on ourselves to undo this conditioning. Um, and so I guess I, I started researching to Luna and I, I had already started thinking about and, you know, speaking to um, suppliers and product developers with regards to bringing an organic cotton line to market. Um, but through that, I then really started to unearth more about um, the environmental impact, the true environmental impact of the traditional period care industry. And I guess slowly but surely, my apprehension towards the period cup softened until I decided that we needed to launch one and, and I needed to therefore try one. And so um, I guess with less fear and less loneliness um, than I experienced during my first time trying tampons, I tried the menstrual cup and um, I'm, I have to say I got, I got the hang of it really quickly. I know it differs for a lot of people, but I just really enjoyed the whole process. And I think that's something that we try and advocate for at Luna. I know it can seem daunting, but just really lean into the fun of experiencing and getting to know your body better. Um, and I guess I, I was very quickly, actually after years of being apprehensive, I was very quickly after trying totally converted. And to this day, um, sometimes use tampons, sometimes use pads, but ultimately, I look forward to using my cup every month. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your personal journey of um, your period care choices and as well about starting your amazing brand that is now so popular here in Hong Kong. And I'm so excited to see it grow going forward. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I know your your community have also shared uh, a lot of interest in in the period cup highlighting, I think, just how many of us have questions about these products. And I just, I hope that we're moving towards a world and I know that Luna are contributing to this, although we're not the only ones who are leading this change. I hope we can move towards a world whereby all people, menstruators and non-menstruators are educated about the range of options. And I, and I really do mean that when I say menstruators and non-menstruators, because there's, you're only really doing half the job if you teach somebody who has a period about the advantages of menstrual cups if somebody then shames them who doesn't have a period about menstrual cups being quote unquote gross or dirty then we're really not doing our job correctly so it's important that we start equipping future generations um, with 
everybody with the knowledge of the alternatives that are out there and we show how important it is to explore your body and choose the products that are ultimately right for you thanks so much olivia for joining me on daily dose danny it was great to hear your startup story your struggles and your journey through building a sustainable product that you believe in and are very passionate about i hope that you the listeners learned something new i know i did And I think it's good to investigate and see what options are out there for us, especially if it is that we want to better um, support sustainable products out there, such as Luna Naturals. I think it's a great community that they are building and they offer a lot of useful tips and insights. So please go ahead and reach out to Olivia or Luna Naturals teams. I will share their link in the podcast details. Also, please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our newsletter that we send out every month with useful tips for your business marketing. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did and learned something new. I definitely did. And looking forward to talking soon. Thanks for listening.